You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Well, good morning. Great to be with you guys. I've been out uh, tending to family business back in Little Rock, a big two-day drive there, and uh, many of you know Leslie's father passed away, and we got to do the memorial service, and then it, it ended with, uh, we had uh, Leslie's niece got married. So highs and lows, uh, love and laughter, uh, sadness, and, uh, and uh, celebration at the same time. So I'll share more with you about that in just a moment, but I wanted to give you an uh, update on the campus uh, we, many of you know, we started a resource initiative, and many of you have been a part of that, um, and to kind of renovate the campus and get things cleaned up. We've done a lot of the interior demo work, or that's the interior of the building uh, that's up front as you drive out. It's the last and the largest building. It's going to be a multi-purpose building that we're going to open up for our junior high, high school to use on Sunday mornings, be uh, available for our student, uh, for our women's ministry and all the other ministries as well. Um, We hit a hiccup. The the bad news is, is that we uh, decided to press forward with putting in a a plan to uh, use the parking lot as is. That would save us $400,000 roughly. Uh, We got some inside information from a city official who said, if I were you, I would press forward, apply for this permit to have the parking lot as is, and then pave it whenever you're good and well and ready, five years, 10 years out. So we did, we did that, and it came back rejected, and they said, no, you absolutely have to pave the parking lot. Uh, The good news is, is that we are going to reapply. So we went for the whole enchilada, and so we're probably just going to get a little taco. But uh, w- what we've got is what we're going to do is we're going to try to do partial paving or do something or put a timeline on it and say, hey, we'll, we'll do partial improvements within the first five years and in 10 years we'll pave the whole thing. Uh, so we've got some good connections there. Ask for your prayers in that as well. The good news is, is that uh, your financial giving has opened up a, a huge water resource for irrigation. We own outright nine acres on this campus that you're sitting on. And uh, our well was a very attractive piece for us in purchasing the property because it can supply uh, irrigation to irrigate the entire campus. Um, Not many aquifers can sustain this kind of uh, uh, campus, but ours does. It pushes out about, I think it's 60 pounds per hour of, uh, 60 gallons of water per hour. So it can really push some water and I might have those numbers wrong, but... Uh, you guys correct me later. Uh, but anyway, the idea is, is we've got, we opened that up. We thought it was going to be fifteen dollars to $20,000, and it was just a fraction of that cost. And so the, the good news is, is our irrigation is God's water, and we're going to get this place a little bit more green. So we can celebrate that for a moment. Uh, as well as we need water in the desert, as well as uh, you can see some improvements on the campus, the, the, some of the shrub beds, we needed to change out some of the stuff there, some of the, the DG, the rock, you're going to see more and more improvements as we kind of move along. I ask for your prayers in the process though, we've got uh, our plans pretty, uh, pretty close to being done for the building, uh, the architect we're working with is still uh, lagging on a couple of the mechanical and the plumbing and some of those things that are pretty significant. We've got to get those in. So ask for your prayers in that, in your faithfulness in giving. 
Uh, the Serve Like Jesus Resource Initiative is a totally different bucket than general fund. Uh, we got to have both faithfulness in both of those areas if you made a commitment to the Lord for our church. So I encourage you to do that, and uh, I'll give you more updates as we kind of move forward. But for now, let me pray, and, and we're going to get into uh, God's Word together. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you um, that it gives instruction, and it's, it is the centerpiece of authority for North Valley Community Church. It should be the centerpiece of authority in every marriage, in every relationship, with every person, every home, every business. And we ask, God, in this time, refresh us, renew us, help us to laugh, help us to learn, help us to grow and love better uh, as we explore what you have to say to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, I heard a story uh, about a church member the other day. Uh, this guy decided to skip a church service on a Sunday uh, morning, and he decided to go up to the hills and do some bear hunting. And as he rounded the corner of this life-threatening twist in the trail, he came face-to-face -face with a huge black bear. This sent him and his rifle tumbling down the mountainside, and before he knew it, his rifle went one way and he went the other. He landed on some jagged rocks and he broke both of his legs. That's the good news. The, the bad news is, is that the ferocious bear was charging down the hill at him from a distance, full speed. He couldn't move. His legs were broken. So he prayed the desperate prayers you and I have prayed. Oh God, if you save me, I'm so sorry for skipping today's church service. I came out here to hunt. Please forgive me and grant me just one wish. Please, God, make a Christian out of that bear that's coming towards me. Please, Lord, please. He should have been praying a vegetarian Christian is what he should have been praying. That very instant, the bear skidded to a halt, fell to its knees, clasped its paws together, and appeared to be praying to heaven. And the guy said, wow, he couldn't believe his eyes. The bear's lips appeared to be moving as if he was reciting a prayer. And the church member said, thank you, Lord, for answering my prayer and making that monster a good Christian bear. He's so cute. And in amazement, he kind of painfully pulled his body closer to the bear so that he could hear him. And he heard these words, dear God, please bless this food which I'm about to receive. Hey, today we're going to talk about prayer. I want you to open your Bibles. Matthew uh, is one of the Gospels. It's in the tail end of your uh, Bible. It's a recording of the life and uh, the words and the works of Jesus Christ, everything he declared, everything he demonstrated. Uh, we've got a snapshot in the Gospel of Matthew. It's also the Lord's Prayer that we're going to be looking at today. It's a famous prayer. It's perhaps the most famous prayer ever prayed, uh, has been used in Christian culture for centuries and centuries and centuries. Many of you know it. I had a great Catholic grandmother who loved me um, and taught us uh, the Lord's Prayer at a very young, early age. And let's read it together. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. You can read aloud with me if you'd like. Jesus said, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
And then the rest of it, as many of us know, is thine is the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Which was later adopted and put into the early text some 200 in the second century, it was later on. So many of your Bibles don't have that part, and it's right not to have that part. What we're going to focus in is on the prayer that Jesus is giving. He's giving instruction. In Matthew chapter 6, if you looked a little bit earlier, Jesus has already addressed how not to pray, like many of the hypocrites that were trying to look uber spiritual. Uh, he says, don't pray like this, but pray like this. I think it would be better to call the prayer the disciples' prayer, not the Lord's prayer, because it's instruction for the disciples. We just came up and said, put a little tag on there and call it the Lord's prayer. He gives the positive example of how to pray, so that's what we're going to look at today. It's also captured in Luke chapter 11. If you want to look there later, uh, I would encourage you to do that. So what we're going to see is seven petitions that are in the prayer. So let's look at those. The first one is this, found in verse 9. He says, hallowed be your name. What does hallowed be your name mean? It means to revere, to regard, to treat as holy. So when we say the name of Jesus, it's not a cuss word. It's a holy word to use. You shouldn't just say Jesus right off the cuff when somebody cuts you off in traffic. You should reserve the name of Jesus for adoration, for praise. When you use God's name, it's a holy name. And the Lord starts, what we're going to see is, is he says, hallowed be your name. That's to treat it as holy. That idea of holy means to be set apart. That name is the name above all other names. That's the first petition. The second petition is your kingdom come. Jesus is a king. He's got a throne. He's got a kingdom agenda. He's got ministers and messengers working on his behalf all the time. His desire is and plan is, and it will happen, the high king of heaven will accomplish the sovereign plan to bring his kingdom to earth, a little reigning of the kingdom on earth one day. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to do a message series. Most people don't do message series on this topic, but about heaven and about God's kingdom coming to earth in totality. Um, with Leslie's father passing away, um, it really triggered some thoughts of what's heaven like? Why don't I hear very much teaching on heaven? And I decided, you know what, Lord, I'm going to use this as an investigation period. And my wife and I dug into the scriptures, dug into some great resources, and are learning what heaven really looks like from a biblical perspective. But this idea, Jesus says, your kingdom come. Jesus is a king. The third petition is your will be done. And that's the third petition. That means God's will, God's ways, those are the things that we want to see. And Jesus models this, says this. It's interesting, he also re references this phraseology later in the Garden of Gethsemane, according to Matthew chapter 26 and 39. Jesus says, not my will be done, but your will be done. The third petition is your will be done. That's that idea. I mentioned it earlier. And so some have speculated that this is symbolic of the first three petitions, the Trinity. It's a very Godward focused prayer. It's up. It's not out. The next four petitions you're going to see, number, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread, uh, is, is reference to more an outward situation. 
Every day, it's okay for you to pray, and you pray for God to help you, supply you with the needs that you have. God wants to hear that. Jesus taught us to do that. Material possessions, material things that you need, those are good. Those are godly. God wants to use those, wants you to use what you have for him, wants to provide for you. So it's good to pray like that. It's also a reference to Israel when they depended on the Lord for manna in the wilderness. Number five, the fifth petition is to forgive us. There's a relationship need that we need to establish all the time. We ought to be praying for forgiveness. We ought to forgive others, and we ought ourselves to seek forgiveness from the Lord. Jesus models that and shows that. In the sixth petition is to lead us not into temptation. What does that mean? Does God tempt? No, according to James 1.13, uh, God won't tempt you. Does that, what, is it, what else does that mean? 1 Corinthians 10.13, that you're not ever going to face a temptation that you can't get out of. So what does it mean? It means the idea that, Lord, help me not to succumb to temptation and fall into it, is what it means in the original text. The seventh petition means is to deliver us from evil. Specifically, in understanding, it means the evil one. You and I need help getting away from Satan, the demons, and attacks that are against us that come to derail and thwart God's plan and purpose for our life. That is the Lord's Prayer. And so what I want to do now is to give you some life principles for effective prayer based on that. Number one, I want to encourage you that prayer is primarily an action, not an attitude. Prayer is primarily about action. It's not some simple attitude. In Matthew 6, 9, he says, say, and it says, say this, or pray, and pray this, and it leads towards kingdom. What's the activity that he's praying towards and asking us to pray towards right off the bat? It's about God's kingdom coming. It's action. Having God's will, God's ways on earth as it is in heaven. You and I need to be praying prayers for action. We pray, and through the prayer, we should be led to action. When we were down in, in uh, Little Rock and Hot Springs, prayer, we pray for the, our family, who um, pray for one another, but it leads to action. I, uh, I was really encouraged that our staff team prayed for us while we were gone, but their prayers led to action. When we showed up at the memorial, there was this big table of flowers, and right in the center of the table was a big flower base, and it said, from North Valley Community Church. And I walked in, and I didn't even notice it, because I don't notice details. So I was just like, okay, here we go. And my wife stops, and she says, did you see that out there? Is, is that our church? Is, and I'm in the middle of trying to get ready to officiate this, do this memorial service. I'm like, sweetie, I, I mean, I think, I don't know. I don't. She's like, the flowers were beautiful. And I said, I knew in faith, I was like, that's our church. We got a great church, don't we? Um, prayer should lead us to action. We need to pray for those that are going through a hard time. We need to pray for ourselves and do things to move in action in line with God's design for our life. We pray for lost people. Why? Because Jesus says that he's got a kingdom agenda. And that involves redeeming, restoring relationships, people. Not just simply so they can live a holy life, but experience uh, God himself. Kingdom prayers. 
Recently, we heard a story, you might have caught it in the North Valley newsletter, of a young lady in our church named Katie. She came to this place where she wanted to publicly proclaim her faith, her new faith in Jesus Christ through baptism at our church. She'd gone a number of years through the LDS church, kind of stopped going to church for a long time, shows up at North Valley and says, I felt God's presence and peace here. She further learns and grows and came with a friend and and then she goes public with her faith and she starts that relationship with Jesus and proclaims it. What's really cool about her story is we asked her the question, what kind of implication or what kind of connection do you think there was to prayer? And she said, oh, all sorts of it. I had all sorts of friends praying for me, family members praying for me. The thing is, is that your prayers, my prayers, if North Valley is going to move forward, if God's kingdom is going to move forward in your life, in your marriage, kingdom style living, you got to be praying these things. God, your will be done. Forgive me for doing that. I want to move this way. I want, I want your will to be done in my business, in my home, in my relationships, in my church. North Valley won't have a strong future if we're not praying kingdom-minded prayers. Every successful, thriving, growing, dynamic church is a church that's committed to praying for God's kingdom. Because he's the king. We are the ambassadors. We need to do the Lord's work. Secondly, I want to encourage you, the Lord's prayer is a model to follow, not some magic formula. It's a model. Matthew 6, 9, look there in your Bibles. It says, Jesus says, pray then like this. He doesn't say, pray exactly like this or exactly these words. Pray these words. He just says, pray like we have oftentimes recited this prayer as just rote memory and have not utilized it, I think, in the manner that God would want us to have. In Luke's gospel, he records verses two through four. He says, when you pray, say like this. So what we get is a model. We don't get some magical formula. Remember years ago, I received this it was a scam, and they, all the sorts of uh, get-rich-quick schemes, they oftentimes play and work through religion to try to get people to do what they want them to do, is write checks and send it off to some obscure place, at the fake ministry. Got this little prayer mat in the mail when I was a brand-new Christian, and it said, if you fold out this little paper prayer mat and you pray, then God's going to make you rich after you sow your seeds and send us the money. But use the mat, say this prayer, and I was like, what is this? Is it, they think this is magical. It's crazy. Bogus. There is no magic to the prayer. There is a model to follow that Jesus gives us. So how should you pray? You pray little. You pray long. You pray big. You pray bold. You pray short. You pray quick. You pray. Pray anyway. Like MC Hammer said, you got to pray just to make it today. I went back old school like yesterday on iTunes and I think supposedly, maybe I'm wrong, I heard they potentially are going to disband iTunes music. If that's a newsflash to you, I'm sorry. But uh, anyway, so I'm downloading as many songs as I could and I started going 80s style, Vanilla Ice, MC Hammer, I'm pulling them all in. That had nothing to do with our message, sorry. (laughs) Let me illustrate this. Sometimes less is more. Your prayers can be very powerful, just being really short and sweet. Let me illustrate this practically and holistically. 
Sometimes we think we need long prayers, elaborate prayers to be more effective. That's not true. Less is often more. On Thursday afternoon, November 19, 1863, in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, a big crowd gathered to dedicate the Soldiers National Cemetery. It was just four and a half months after the Union armies defeated those in the Confederacy at the Battle of Gettysburg. Edward Everett was set to deliver this dedication speech, and it lasted, listen, one hour and 57 minutes. He spoke with eloquence, empathy, and he finished, and the large crowd erupted with applause. And then Lincoln followed. His job was to share just a few short words in closing as he approached the platform. He unfolded his speech that he had written down and carefully crafted. He slipped on his steel spectacles and began to read what is now known as the Gettysburg Address. The moving speech was short and somber. It ended almost as quickly as it started. After just two minutes, suddenly he was done. His speech felt sacred, powerful, words that rose to heaven like a prayer. No one felt it would be appropriate to applaud. The silence lingered. Lincoln folded up his speech, placed it in his pocket, and shuffled off the stage to grab a seat. The gentleman next to him, John Young from the Philadelphia Press, leaned over and whispered, is that all? Lincoln replied, yes, that's all. Let me tell you something. Don't ever underestimate the power of just a two-minute prayer. Don't ever underestimate that. It's not the time that you put into it. Sometimes it's just the honesty and the realness of what you're trying to do. Lincoln's speech had 271 words, and it began with those iconic phrases four score and seven years ago, referring to the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Sometimes we think that we need to belabor something all the time. And while there is some precedence in Scripture just to keep going after it on and on and on and on, God can work any way He wants. He's a sovereign king. What's important is is that we understand the Lord's Prayer is a model. It's not some magical formula. Pray little, pray long, pray big, pray bold, pray short, make it sweet. Pray how you want to pray. Number three, I want to encourage you, God responds to relationship, not technique. It's no accident Jesus uses the word Father. That's his favorite uh, description of God. He calls him Father. I love that. I feel the Christian faith is so personal. You explore other world religions. Um, It doesn't have the same sense. You have a force in different uh, New Age movements that you tap into. You have a Uh, an angry God in other religions, in Eastern religions. In Christianity, you get a loving father who searches after the lost son, who searches for the lost coin, who looks for the lost sheep. He's a loving father. To me, when I pray, I get my heart right. When I was in Arkansas, there were seasons and settings where I was just out of routine. My wife was staying in Hot Springs. I was in Ferndale, USA, we like to call it. And I was out of routine, so my devotional time wasn't as regular. And I noticed my heart starting to get just kind of like scattered, distant. I'm like, Lord, what am I going to do? Felt like he just said, why don't you pray? So I start praying. And you know what happens? My heart gets back in rhythm. 
my heart starts to change a little bit. I started listening to worship music. I love Zach Brown. I love his music. But I needed to take a break from Zach for a moment, and I need to get into some, some good music that was filling my mind with praise and adoration and thanksgiving. And when I did, that's when things started to change for me. Felt more connected. Why? I'll tell you why. Because God responds to relationship. And we saw God answer prayers in Little Rock, and we've seen God answer prayers here. And the Father is mentioned all throughout the Gospels. The Apostle Paul, the greatest theologian that ever lived, reinforces this massive concept that God is the Father. He reflects it in the Gospel idea that God is a Father who adopts us. He paid the greatest price. That price was Jesus. And we, as a result of that payment, that purchase of that adoption, we get a great relationship. God responds to relationship. Not technique. Remember years ago, I was uh, in uh, my home church, uh, Fellowship Bible Church there in Little Rock. And uh, I was a brand new Christian. I was on fire for the Lord. That's what they say. That's a Christian way to say, like, if you're new to the church, you're new to Christianity, you're like, that's dangerous. You're on fire. Um, I was excited. My faith was fresh. I was new. And uh, the staff team, I made friends with the staff team, and uh, we were in a singles ministry, and they asked me to start coming on Thursday nights uh, to their rehearsal and then prayer time. And they asked me to start praying with their staff team and pray for the ministry, and I said, sure, you know. Um, So I went, and I was new to the faith, and I mean, I was just a wild, if you don't know my story, I was a wild, lost angry, rebellious, broken man before I met Jesus. And, uh, and so I have this radical conversion. My faith is fresh and fired up. So I go into this prayer meeting. And one of my first times, we're all praying. They say, Ryan, Ryan's here. You know, he just had this radical conversion. His friends are coming to the church. They're coming to faith in Christ. They're leaving the party culture. And they're coming to the Jesus culture. Ryan, will you pray for us? And I say, yeah, man, I'll pray. And I was fired up. I'd already been praying. I'd already been listening to worship music. And I walk in there. And I say, let's grab hands. And we start praying. And all of a sudden, some guy just starts just praying just stuff that I was like, man, that was good. And I just said, hell yeah, hell yeah. And then they all open their eyes and they look at me and I'm like, I mean, oh yeah, oh yeah. And they all laughed and said, no, it's good. Come on, let's pray. Uh, My point in saying that is, listen, if you're in a grace-based culture, that's a reflection of a grace-based God who totally knows you, your inconsistencies, your fickleness. He knows your frustrations. He knows your downfalls. But what does he know? He knows not simply what you wear, but what's going on inside here. He knows it all. And the good news about that is, is that I don't have to have it all together. In fact, let me go theological on you for just a moment. In fact, according to the Apostle Paul, when he writes to the church in Rome and the church in Galatia, he tells them, let me tell you something. The Spirit of God already is inside of you and he intercedes on your behalf when you don't even know what to say. So when you sputter out words that kind of don't make sense and you'd be embarrassed if somebody recorded or heard them, let me just tell you something. The Spirit of God's already working it all out. So why do we pray? We pray because God calls us to pray. We pray because prayer changes us. 
Let me tell you something. The best thing I've ever done with people that have hurt me, I'm talking people that have hurt me significantly, is I pray for them. Because if I don't pray for them, I'll hate them. But when I pray for them, I start seeing the Father's heart for his people and that person. The most powerful thing you could do is pray. What is the principle is, is, listen to me, God responds to relationship, not technique. Some of you, when I've asked you to pray at a neighborhood group, you fumble around and I'm like, that's cool. And if anybody laughs at them, I just go, smack them right there. Just, just joking. You're like, oh, I don't want to go to his neighborhood group. I'll get slapped if I laugh at somebody. No, the thing is, is you just pray. Like when my little girl comes up to me sometimes and she asks me for stuff. You know, I, I, she just asks, Dad, can we do this? Can we do this? Can we do that? She asked me, we were down in Arkansas, and she loves riding horses, and we got a bunch of horses, and we just had a blast. I got one of the horses because it was so hot, and I took it into the pond, and I had her ride a horse in the pond. I mean, like, have you ever been riding on a horse while it's swimming in a lake or pond? It's incredible. So after we're done, she's like, Daddy, can you buy me a horse? I'm like, I would love to. No, I can't buy you a horse. That's just like God, God's heart too is, number four, God's not yet doesn't mean no. So and just the other day, we're driving around up here in the North Valley and I see these horses and I say, well, maybe one day we'll be able to get a horse. You know, I don't know. I grew up with horses, love horses. I don't think the HOA would like it if I had a horse, but God's not yet doesn't mean No. Some of you have been praying a long time. you got a wayward son. So don't stop praying. I had this old lady named Miss Starrett. She was in my Baptist school that I went to. My parents tried everything. They send, them, send me to the charismatic school. Send me to the Pentecostal school. Send me to the Baptist school. Forget that. Let's go public. I went all public. Got in trouble. I got kicked out of schools. I had so much problems. They didn't know what to do me, with me. And this one old lady named Miss Starrett, she'd always see me in the hallway as I was walking to the principal's office, and she'd say, Ryan, I'm praying for you. And I'm like, you're just a sweet old lady. Thank you so much. Go to the principal's office. I'm like, maybe I should bring Miss Starrett into the principal's office. She's praying for me. So I go, and I finally leave the school, become a Christian, growing in the faith. My reputation's growing in the community. This young guy that caused so much trouble in the school's He's changed. And they waited like a year because they wanted to see if it really stuck. She contacts me and said, hey, I put your name forward and all, our, all of our chapel speakers fell through. We thought we'd call you. I said, well, thanks for your honesty. I was your last pick, but that's fine. So I showed up and I preached and, I, and, I, and it was awesome. I felt so much redemption. And I didn't even cuss and that was great. And uh, I finished... Uh, uh, no, as I was trying to finish, the bell went off. And uh, these Baptist folks were so set on the rules. And uh, the bell went off, and I still had like five to ten minutes to go. And the principal stands up and says, keep going, Ryan, keep going. And I got to finish out this, the, the chapel. I saw a number of students make decisions for Christ. And uh, it was powerful. But what happened... Miss Starrett was praying for me. She prayed a long time. She prayed like six, seven years. My mom tells me she was praying for me all the time. I'd come in after a party and I'd see my mom on the couch on her knees praying for me. Two o'clock in the morning. 
She's praying. God's not yet doesn't mean no. Maybe you've got financial problems. Maybe you've got a business problem. Maybe you've got a health problem. God's not yet doesn't mean no. Luke chapter 18, do a little homework. I encourage you to do this. It's the story of the persistent widow. She suffered all sorts of injustice. Jesus says, hey, guys, rally up, gets his disciples. I want to show you, a, tell you a story to help you pray and to not lose heart. And then he tells the story of the persistent widow, this woman who keeps going to the judge asking for justice. And the guy's like, no, 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 no. And finally, after she just keeps coming, just keeps bothering, he says, yes, just because she was persistent. So don't ever give up. Colossians tells us that we're to continue in prayer, steadfast prayer, be stead, devote ourselves to prayer, to never give up, to persevere, to be persistent is the idea captured in the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. I think the, the reality is, is that sometimes God will wait to answer at the very last minute. He'll wait. Shortly after Dallas Theological Seminary was founded in 1924, it had almost uh, gone into bankruptcy. The creditors were about to foreclose at noon on a certain day. President Lewis S. Schaefer met with his faculty, gathered up his staff in his office, and started praying fervently that God would provide. But the backstory is that he'd been praying for months and months ahead of time. He'd been praying a very long time for the school to make it financially. Present in the room was, uh, with Dr. Schaefer were other professors and the great Dr. Harry Ironside, which is a legend in the Dallas Seminary world and for Bible scholars. He prayed his characteristic prayer. Ironside prayed, Lord, we know that the cattle on a thousand hills are yours. Please send some of those cows to us so we can sell them and get the money. That was taken out of Psalms 50.10. True story. At the exact same time, in the building right next door, this Texas businessman stepped into the seminary office and said, I just sold two carloads of cattle in Fort Worth, but I could not make the deal go through like I wanted, so I feel compelled to give all the money to the seminary. I don't care if you need it or not, but here's the check. And the secretary knew exactly the details, the exact amount that the seminary was in trouble for. Surprised, the secretary took the check timidly and then knocked on the prayer meeting. When Dr. Schaefer took the check out of her hand, it was the exact amount of debt that the seminary had. And turning to Ironside, Schaefer said, Harry, God sold the cattle. <laughs> Truth is, is that God's going to show up and show off at the last minute sometimes. Sometimes it's going to be a long time. But God's not yet doesn't mean no. And Jesus instructs us, uses that parable of the persistent widows just to keep going after it. Prayer changes us for sure. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, the privilege and the honor to teach the Bible. I love the church, but I love you more. I'm grateful for everybody here as they want to maybe learn and learn more about how to live according to your way. 
I pray you encourage everybody here. and pray that you heal people here. pray that you'd help those with problems that they're facing. But most of all, God, I just pray for your presence in their life. That no matter what they're dealing with, they just know that you are good and that you are present. We give you thanks and we pray, God, for the future of our church, not only just the present, and we ask for incredible influence for the years ahead. For the name and fame of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.